Greetings. Thank you all for returning to this week's new study episode titled Submission to Authorities, Part 3. I am Pastor John, welcoming our returning global audience of unchurched, self-study people, as well as those who are part of a church. For anyone looking for greater depths in God's Word with a stronger personal study, we also extend a warm welcome to all our new listeners here for the first time. Thank you all for listening. May you all be blessed of God. Please note, because 1 Peter is very rich with content, this portion of Scripture will have a fourth part. This is rare and is only applicable to this path of learning. I hope this is a very enlightening mini-series within the greater series. I hope you all are learning some strong things to fortify your biblical knowledge from which the Bible is a great wealth. Welcome to our extended summer series titled, What We Need to Know or Reaffirm. Our summer series is sourced in First and Second Peter. Last week, in our episode titled, Submission to Authorities, Part 2, September 5th, we examined 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 18-20. through 20. Without some real examination, one can be led astray by what they feel coming to the surface. It is very important to search out Scripture when it seems to be contrary to what Scripture stands for. When it appears to say one thing when in fact it says and means something else entirely. Last week, what appeared to be social issues really was not. Yes, in Peter's day, these obvious social issues did exist in that society. So, applying and or overlaying issues of today, beliefs of today, on scripture written in a completely different time, we found cannot be correctly done. We also noted that Peter was not speaking about or to the social issues of his day. He was using them analogously to convey his real point. This week, we continue examining what Peter is saying. We have better understanding of what Peter is doing in this passage of the Bible. We learned that Peter was relating something entirely different than what you might take away if only reading his words for the first time without further study. If only reading the scripture he wrote without reasonable and further investigation through Bible study, you will come away with surface knowledge most likely leading you astray. This is thanks to modern thoughts and assertions rooted in one's mind of today that we almost automatically apply to everything regardless of the age of the content in examination. Remember what Barnes' New Testament notes said, The word here used is applicable to the head of a family, whatever may be the condition of those under him. Is not our Father in heaven, God our Father, the head of the family of whom we are members? We also learned that our servitude to God, 
our father is like that of a slave to a master. When one thing is like another, it is not exactly the same. It is only similar to it. Are we who are saved in Christ also called the family of God, of which God is the, quote, head of the family, end quote? And remember this as well. The word should not and cannot be employed to prove that slavery existed in the churches to which Peter wrote, and still less to prove that he, Peter, approved of slavery or regarded it as a good institution. So, as you can clearly see, the two-tier social structure of Peter's day is not what Peter is talking about. It is a means to an end that is very obvious to the listener of those times. We may well immediately see inappropriate text if we do not study that text and especially what Peter is saying. I may be running this issue into the ground, but you really need to understand this about Peter and his writings. You also need to understand that there is no known proof that Peter approved of slavery or regarded it as a good institution. So, with that strong reminder, let's get into this week's lesson in Peter's writings. This week, Scripture reads, For to this you were called, since Christ also suffered for you, leaving an example for you to follow in his steps. He committed no sin, nor was deceit found in his mouth. When he was maligned, he did not answer back. When he suffered, he threatened no retaliation, but committed himself to God who judges justly. Wow! Does that mean we are to likewise respond to negative issues in our lives without a reasonable response or legal response? Let us dig deeper to answer that question. Such a spirit is required by the very nature of your Christian vocation. You are called into the church in order that you might evince it. From Barnes' New Testament Notes First, let us understand what the word evince means. It means to prove or show. One, to show in a clear manner. To prove beyond any reasonable doubt. To manifest. To make evident. Two, to conquer. From Noah Webster's 1828 Dictionary of American English. So, that Barnes New Testament notes quote could now read instead, such a spirit is required by the very nature of your Christian vocation. You are called into the church in order that you might show in a clear manner, to prove beyond any reasonable doubt, to make it evident, end quote. To make it evident, whatever it may be. Both to well-doing, of which none but those who are called with an holy 
and effectual calling are capable, and which they are fitted for, and are under obligation to perform, and to suffer for so doing, which they must always expect, and to patience in suffering for it, which highly becomes them. This being then one of the saints' effectual calling is made use of as an argument to engage them to the exercise of the grace of patience in suffering for well-doing. From the New John Gill's Exposition of the Entire Bible. Verse 21 says, For to this you were called. Hama. Called to what? Called to what we just read in commentary? Today, we do not suffer as our older brethren did in the days of Peter and others. Yet, there is clearly something from them we can learn. Why? Because today, we do suffer from time to time instead of nearly every day as our brothers and sisters did in the days of old. You suffered greatly if you were a slave to an unreasonable master in Peter's day, as we have learned. Keep in mind, this master-slave issue has a point. When I will make that point, it may not be what you might think it to be. Notice this sentence from the commentary passage we just read. To well-doing of which none but those who are called with an holy and effectual calling are capable, and which they are fitted for, and are under obligation to perform, and to suffer for so doing, which they must always expect, and to patience in suffering for it, which highly becomes them. That sentence says a lot. Let's break that down for better understanding. 1. To well-doing, of which none but those who are called with an holy and effectual calling are capable. 2. Which they are fitted for. 3. Are under obligation to perform. 4. To suffer for so doing. 5. Which they must always expect. 6. To patience in suffering for it, which highly becomes them. Now, let us look at these six comments from commentary to better understand what is being said. 1. We are called to well-doing. In other words, doing good things as we relate to others, whether we know them or not. Have you ever done a good deed for someone you do not know? Maybe change a flat tire for a stranded person on the highway or a road elsewhere. Maybe help someone you do not know find a place they cannot find. Simple and easy things to do, yet many people that can help in such a way do not. 2. You are fitted for doing such things because of your work experience, general ability, or any combination of both. Yet, even so fitted, many people hold disability close to their chest and do not share it with regard to helping someone else achieve something they cannot otherwise achieve. 
3. Did you know you are under obligation to perform such actions that are in your ability and venue to do? Personally, I have vast intellectual riches of automotive knowledge and computer knowledge, both automotive computers and the type of computers we all use. I fully understand the Windows operating system, the Apple or Mac operating system, many distributions of Linux, and other Unix-based operating systems. While I could be paid handsomely for my knowledge by a tech firm, I choose to help the people I run into at times with my knowledge instead, primarily to help them keep from being cheated by others. Those others, quote-unquote, charge handsomely for their work. They will do the work for those that need it performed, but something else will always go wrong after a short amount of time passes. Then they are called in again and are more than happy to help again at that person's expense. Given my advanced years as a born-again Christian, I have created this podcast to help my fellow Christian brothers and sisters around the world, as well as those who are unsaved looking to Christ, looking for Christ. Also, in sharing my automotive and computer knowledge, it almost always provides a jump-off point to share the Lord and His salvation with others. What do you possess for knowledge that you could help others with? Others who need to learn, want to learn, and have no means to that end. That one thing that could provide you with the much-needed jump-off point into witnessing God's great love for us all. 4. When we help others, is there not a danger of it not working out well? Could corrupt people use our good nature and service to them as a tool to malign us and as a pretext for doing us wrong? The answer to both those questions is yes. So, that means... The real question we need to answer is whether that will stop us from doing God's will. Which is worse, being wronged or not obeying God? 5. We should always expect the spoiling of something good we might do for another person. In other words, we should be always watching for things to take an ill turn of which we could be falsely blamed for causing and or doing. It should not stop us from doing the good works within our charge. It should cause us to always keep one eye open for the possibility of things going bad. While we are watchful in this regard, we do not expect it to be the result always. It means we cautiously step into all opportunities with a necessary watchful care so we do not get caught in something we are not responsible for, yet it seems to others the fault is with us, when in fact it is not. 6. All of which requires us to have patience in suffering for it which highly becomes us. Here is the bottom line of which many American Christians simply do not understand or refuse to yield to. 
this means. Someone can take our good works toward them and somehow turn it into something accusatory upon us. Or they can simply take an offensive posture from the beginning just waiting for us to fail, upon which they will pounce on with the fury of accusations. So, how does it work that such a thing highly becomes us? I think it is safe to assume that we are not called to easy and simple. Today, we can feel overwhelmed because our daily life alone is difficult, trying, or both. Adding all this we are seeing in Scripture on top of that just seems to make our lives even more difficult to manage and work out. Yet, working this issue out is what highly becomes us. The second part of this verse reads, after the comma, Since Christ also suffered for you, leaving an example for you to follow in his steps. This should make better sense to you now, given what we have already learned. Because Christ also suffered for us, in our room and stead, to fulfill the law, satisfy the justice of God, and make reconciliation for sin, and not only for our good, or merely as a martyr, to confirm the truth of his doctrine, or barely as an example to us, though this also is true. The Alexandrian copy and some others read, quote, for you, end quote, for you servants, as well as others, and therefore should cheerfully and patiently suffer for the sake of Christ and his gospel, and the rather, because he suffered, leaving us an example that ye should follow his steps. Christ is an example to his people in the exercise of grace, as of faith, love, zeal, meekness, and humility and in the discharge of duty, in his regard to the commands of the moral law and positive institutions of religion, in his constancy in prayer, in frequent attendance on public worship, in his submission to the ordinance of baptism and his celebration of the supper, and likewise in his sufferings and in his meekness, patience, courage, and resignation to the will of God, which is what is here intended, and in which his people are to follow and imitate him. From the New John Gill's Exposition of the Entire Bible. Maybe that commentary passage can be summed up this way, that we should follow him as if we trod exactly along behind him, and should place our feet precisely where his were, the meaning is that there should be the closest imitation or resemblance. From Barnes' New Testament Notes I think we can now see this passage of First Peter is about us following God. It has nothing to do with the awful issue of slavery as we today understand this socially debilitating disease of humanity. We can see a good master 
a bad master, and slaves. Does this not sound like God our Father, Satan, and the sea of humanity found in this earth? This is the main force of this language found here in 1 Peter. The most difficult portion of this lesson is in what we read from John Gill. In summary, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that you should follow his steps. Barnes amplifies this by saying, we should follow him, Christ, as if we trod exactly along behind him and should place our feet precisely where his feet were. Can we honestly say we even attempt to follow Christ this closely? Many do not because the business of life is more important to them or it simply just overwhelms them that they have little, if any, time for walking with God. Now, we read verse 22. He committed no sin, nor was deceit found in his mouth. We should so live, as the Savior did, as not to desire to be punished, and thus only shall we entirely follow his example. It is as much our duty to live so as not to deserve the reproaches of others, as it is to bear them with patience when we are called to suffer them. The first thing in regard to hard treatment from others is to live that there shall be no just occasion for it. The next is, if reproaches come upon us when we have not deserved them, to bear them as the Savior did. If he suffered unjustly, we should esteem it to be no strange thing that we should. If he bore the injuries done him with meekness, we should learn that it is possible for us to do it also, and should learn also that we have not the spirit of his religion unless we actually do it. From Barnes New Testament Notes. Now we read verse 23. When he was maligned, he did not answer back. When he suffered, he threatened no retaliation, but committed himself to God who judges justly. When he was reproached as a glutton, a wine-bibber, a friend of publicans and sinners, all the reply he made was that wisdom is justified of her children, and when he was charged with casting out devils by Beelzebub, the prince of devils, he defended himself, not with bad language, but with strong reasoning, and when he was said to be a Samaritan, he had a devil, his only answer was that he had not that he honored his father, and they dishonored him. And when he was reviled on the cross by those who passed by, by the chief priests and scribes, and the thieves that were crucified with him, he made no return, he opened not his mouth, and much less in a recriminating way. 
from the new John Gill's exposition of the entire Bible. Here is the real learning in this chapter of 1 Peter. How many of us prefer a better life than this passage suggests? This is exactly where our greatest difficulty in following Christ, as we say we do, is a modern issue. By example, if someone lies to you or about you, the Bible, specifically here, 1 Peter, says we do have a clear path for peaceable remediation of such a wrong. Yet, here also, it shows we are even better if we bear under such an injustice as Christ so impressively did himself. Following in his footsteps, as we previously learned, we should do. Next week, our episode is titled, Submission to Authorities, Part 4, the last in this mini-series. Next week, we will close this passage in 1 Peter. Peter, like modern ministers do, makes three points in this total message. We will also further see that this is not an issue of prejudice, but an issue of properly living our lives in Christ. It is not about slaves or masters. It is about living our lives in Christ. Play or download next week's episode from one of our podcast hosts, or follow direct links to these platforms on our website under the podcast menu item. Details follow. All Bible quotes without a citation are from the New English Translation Free Version. Also, please check our show notes for links to our website and other information you would want to know. This study podcast is a wholly self-funded outreach presented by the Church of the Unchurched, currently an all-electronic Boston-based outreach uniting the community of lost, searching, lonely, and forgotten in Christ. We greatly appreciate serving our international audience. God bless you all. If you are visiting for the first time, welcome and God bless you. We look forward to the return of all our faithful listeners and new listeners. Thank you all so much. Please share our podcast with family, friends, and others you believe would find it a blessing. If you are unsaved, we truly hope you find God as well as receiving Him as Lord and Savior of your life. Please find a short link to our episode titled How to Be Saved at the bottom of any episode description. To learn more about us and who we are, give our episode titled Introduction About Us, Who We Are a listen. In that episode, you will learn more about us, who we are reaching out to, our mission, vision, ministry, and more. Again, a short link to this episode is found at the bottom of any episode description. If you go to our internet homepage, under the podcast menu item, you can find many popular podcast platforms we are found on. So, you should be able to find us on a platform you like. We refresh our feeds with every weekly episode upload on Sunday's U.S. East Coast time zone. 
These sites update our feed within 24 hours of our refresh. Our website is located at this address, unchurched.site123.me. Now, may our Lord Jesus Christ himself and God our Father, who loved us and by grace gave us eternal comfort and good hope, encourage your hearts and strengthen you in every good thing you do or say. Until next week, this is Pastor John for the Church of the Unchurched.